Amen. Let us come to the Lord now in prayer and let us seek God's face together. Just take that moment to still our hearts before the throne of grace and to ask the Lord for his blessing upon us each one tonight. Let us pray. Our loving God and our gracious Heavenly Father, we enter into thy holy presence with reverence and we come with humility of heart and we want to acknowledge afresh tonight that thou art God and beside thee there is none else. And Father, we thank thee that thou art the great creator, thou art the one who is sovereign, thou art the Lord God Almighty. And we thank thee tonight for the great privilege that is ours of being able to come and to wait in thy holy presence in the attitude of prayer. And we thank thee afresh for thy great love toward us. We do praise thee forever giving thine only begotten Son, the one who was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. And we do thank thee, our Father, that thou was prepared to offer up thine own Son, And the Apostle Paul was able to record those words, who spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. And how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? And we rejoice tonight that the Lord Jesus Christ has had the victory. And we thank thee that he has risen from the grave and that he has ascended into heaven, that he is seated at the right hand of the Father on high, that he ever liveth to make intercession for us. And we thank thee that he lives in the power of an endless life. And we rejoice, O God, as we look in our own life's experience to that time when thou didst call us unto thyself with that effectual call in the gospel. And we thank thee for the invitation. Come now and let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, They shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. And we thank thee, our Father, that when we came by faith, repenting of our sin, that we were shut in to the Lord Jesus Christ. We were born again of the Holy Spirit of God. And we thank thee tonight that we have entered into that living relationship with our Lord and Savior. And we ask, O God, that we would know even tonight that time of communion and fellowship with thee and through the very means of grace tonight be pleased to come, O God, and to touch our hearts, to meet with us around the word of God and grant that through it, our Father, thou would strengthen our faith in thee and thou wouldst be pleased, O God, to endue us with that power from on high. We do thank thee, our Father, for the work of God in this corner. We praise thee for ever calling it into being all those years ago. We thank thee, our Father, for those that had the vision for the work, those who stood faithfully down through those years. And we ask, O God, as others have labored and we are entered into their labors, that thou wouldst help us to be faithful and true to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so, Father, tonight, do be pleased to come 
and give to each one of us that uh, hearing ear, that understanding heart, and that we might know what it is to grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Saviour. Bless, O God, the members of our congregation. We thank thee for them. Thou knowest, O God, those that have suffered sickness during these uh, past days and weeks. We think especially, O God, of uh, those who have suffered with the coronavirus. And we thank thee for, uh, Lord, their progress. We thank thee, O God, for answered prayer. And we pray that thou wouldst continue to perfect that which concerneth each one of them this night. And we do pray, our Father, for others, some who have been in hospital, some, O God, who are attending hospital uh, for treatment. And we pray that thou wouldst go before each one of them and grant our Father thou wouldst be to them the great physician. And we do remember those tonight who would sorrow. And we know that even in recent days, our Father, there are those associated with us that have tasted, O God, that grief and that sorrow. And we pray that thou wouldst minister to them, O God. Be pleased to comfort them in their time of loss. And grant, O God, thou wouldst so strengthen them and uphold them with the right hand of thy righteousness that they would prove in these days the sufficiency of the grace of God. And so, Father, while we would see that our need in this corner is a great need, we do praise thee that thou art a great God, and thou art one who is able. Thou art able to meet us, O God, at the very point of our need. And as the apostle said to the Philippians, but my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. So, Lord, bless even the wider witness of our church and denomination. We thank thee for those who have been faithful in going forth even to foreign lands with the message of the gospel. O Lord, be with them at this time. Do hedge them about with the Savior's precious blood and be pleased, O God, to strengthen their hand in the battle for souls. So hear our prayer, O God, and be pleased to draw near to our hearts and do defeat the adversary tonight. Put the evil one to flight and in everything that would be said and done, that it would be God-honoring and God-glorifying. We ask these things in the Savior's great name. Amen. I'm asking you to turn tonight in the Word of God to Ephesians and to chapter 6, Paul's letter to the Ephesians and to the chapter 6. And if you were with us uh, last Wednesday evening, uh, we were looking there at verse 10, and we referred to it as encouragement for the battle. And you can see the words in verse 10, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. And there was encouragement there in the way that the apostle addressed God's people. He referred to them as my brethren and was willing to identify himself with God's people and to stand side by side uh, with the rank and file. And he wasn't ashamed to say, my brethren. And then there was encouragement in the appeal uh, that he made to them. He said, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord. Be strong in the Lord. And he came to appeal to God's people that they would be strong, not that we have any strength of our own, but it's our strength that is found in the Lord. Be strong in the Lord. 
And then there was the assurance, and there was great encouragement there. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. And when we think of the power of his might, my, what encouragement uh, there is for us. And so we feel tonight we're returning uh, to this same portion of Scripture. We're reading from Ephesians chapter 6 and the verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take on to you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand. Stand, therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked, and take the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints, and for me, that utterance may be given unto me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in bonds, that therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. We land there at verse 20, and may the Lord add his own blessing to this reading from his own precious and infallible word. This evening, I would like to take as my text the words that are found just at the beginning of verse 11. And if you're able to look at verse 11 with me, it commences with these words, put on the whole armor of God. Now, if we thought last week about encouragement for the battle, here at the beginning of verse 11, we have equipment for the battle. Put on the whole armor of God. I'm sure you've heard about a man called Charles Thomas Studd, or C.T. Studd, as he was uh, known. He was a pioneer missionary, and he labored for the Lord faithfully in China, in India, and also in Africa. He was instrumental in the setting up of Ham, or the Heart of Africa Mission. And he was also a co-founder of WEC, the World Evangelization Crusade. He was a man who was totally given over to the Lord in service, and a man who was used tremendously by the Lord. Now, C.T. Studd believed that every true, genuine Christian was a soldier, a soldier of Christ, one who was saved and who had enlisted into the army of the Lord. 
And C.T. Studd would often have appealed to God's people that they would fulfill their calling and fulfill their duty as soldiers of Christ. It's interesting that C.T. Studd wrote a little book, and that book was entitled Chocolate Soldiers. Chocolate Soldiers. And we know that that's not a very endearing term. It's more a derogatory term. And if you think of a soldier who would be referred to as a chocolate soldier, that's one who might look the part, maybe has uh, the uniform and outwardly everything appears well with him as a soldier. But when it comes to the fight, he's not prepared to enter into the battle. And he sees no action, as it were. He doesn't fulfill his duty. And that term could therefore be used, a chocolate soldier. Well, that's what C.T. Studd actually used to speak of those Christians who would not engage in that battle for the Lord, would not seek to fulfill their duty before their great captain, the Lord Jesus Christ. Chocolate soldiers, those who melt away in the face of difficulty or trial. And I can tell you, because I've been reading just in recent days about C.T. Studd, he was certainly no chocolate soldier. And so we use this to appeal to God's people that they would not melt away from their duty, but that they might be true soldiers of the Lord. Christian soldiers, certainly not chocolate soldiers. And when you come to the Word of God and to portions of Scripture like Ephesians chapter 6, we can see that God's people are certainly called upon to be Christian soldiers. And from last time, the Apostle Paul was saying, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. And here in our text, he's saying, put on the whole armor of God. And so the Apostle is wanting us to be strong soldiers of the Lord. You first get saved. You should be strengthening day by day spiritually. You should be developing as a Christian. You should be making that uh, spiritual progress and becoming stronger and stronger for the Lord. I noticed from uh, the Apostle Paul's conversion in Acts chapter 9, and he had, of course, that uh, Damascus Road conversion. And when you come down Acts chapter 9 to uh, the verse 22, it's speaking of him there as Saul, uh, because he was Saul of Tarsus. But it says, But Saul increased the more in strength, and confounded the Jews which dwelt at Damascus, proving that this is very Christ. And so the detail there that Saul increased the more in strength, and it's the same individual, now the Apostle Paul, who's saying to God's people, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might and put on the whole armor of God. And that should be the testimony of every believer, increasing more and more in strength spiritually, then coming to put on the whole armor of God. I want us just for a short time together this evening to consider 
this armor, what we've entitled equipment for the battle. Now, when you can see here in these words at the beginning of verse 11, firstly, the clothing of this armor, because it says here, put on, put on the whole armor of God. The command is there that this armor is to be worn. It's to be put on just in the same way that we would put on our clothes. We've had a few very wet days recently. And if you had to venture out on those wet days, well, if you had a raincoat, you would have taken your raincoat with you and you would have made sure that you had put it on. If you were caught out in the rain and say, oh, I've left my coat at home, it's no good to you there. You have to put it on. And here it is with this armor. The armor is there. The equipment is before us, but it has to be put on. Just the same way as uh, daily we would be putting on our clothes, so spiritually we would be putting on this armor of the Lord. And when you come through the Bible, this figurative language is used over and over again to describe the various graces and virtues uh, that should be evident in the life of the believer, and they're to be put on, as it were. They're to be worn, just like we would wear our clothes. We wouldn't take time to go to all of the references in the Bible, but let me just note some of them for you. The Old Testament scripture, Second Chronicles, the chapter 6 and the verse 41, and it speaks there about being clothed with salvation. Clothed with salvation. And there's that illustration. It's like something you put on. Clothed with salvation. The psalmist said in Psalm 30 and the verse 11, he said to the Lord, Thou hast girded me with gladness. And here's that, that joy of the believer, the joy of the Lord, and, and it's to be worn. Thou hast girded me with gladness. The psalmist said in Psalm 132 and the verse 9, clothed with righteousness. And these graces are described as things that are to be put on. They're to be worn Proverbs 31, which of course speaks to us about the virtuous woman. And in verse 25, in describing the virtuous woman, it says, Strength and honor shall be her clothing. Clothed with strength and honor. And so you can see the picture that Scripture brings before us, that these are things that are to be put on. Graces and virtues that are to be evident in the lives of God's people, they're put on. You wear these things just like we wear our clothes. The New Testament would also uh, be filled with examples. In fact, here in this letter to the Ephesians, if you have your Bible before you, you could look in Ephesians chapter 4 and come down to the verse 22. And actually here, it's in the negative sense. The apostle said in chapter 4, verse 22, that ye put off. There are some things that you have to take off. Put off concerning the former conversation, the old man 
which is corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And so the apostle is saying to the Ephesians, and he would also say similar to the Colossians, there are things that you must put off. You must take them off and lay them aside. And you must put off the old man. But here in Ephesians 4 and the verse 24, it says, and that ye put on, ye put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. And in the life of the child of God, there are things that we are to put off and there are things that we are to put on. The garments of salvation. In 1 Peter 5, the apostle there addresses the elders. And in verse 5 of that chapter, he describes the elders and he says, clothed with humility. Clothed with humility. In Titus chapter 2 and the verse 10, it says, adorning the doctrine of God our Savior in all things. Adorning the doctrine of God our Savior to be adorned with that doctrine. That means as we read the Word of God and we meditate upon God's Word, we study God's Word, and then we seek to apply it to our own hearts and lives, it's that we're putting on what we've learned. The truths, the doctrines that are revealed to us in the Word of God, God's people are to be adorned with the doctrine of God our Savior. We're to be those living epistles. The Word of God is to be seen because it's something that we've put on. What the Christian is to wear, how the Christian is to dress, put on these things. And when we come to our text of Scripture, and that same illustration applies here, it's putting on the whole armor of God. William Gurnall has his volumes on this chapter about the spiritual armor for the believer, and he entitles his book, What to Wear to the War. What to Wear to the War. Put on Put on the whole armor of God, the clothing of this armor. It's for the soldiers of Christ. But I want you to notice from the words of our text, secondly, the character of this armor. Put on the whole armor of God. It's characterized as the armor of God. It's, it's God's armor. Again, we'll not turn to the portions, but you could note them. Romans 13 and the verse 12, you'll read there about the armor of light. Armor of light. 2 Corinthians 6 and the verse 7, you'll read about the armor of righteousness. And here in our text of Scripture, we're reading about the armor of God. And when you think about this, it's describing the character of this armor, the armor of God, which is armor of light. It's armor of righteousness. It has the character of God himself. I'm sure we're all familiar with that hymn, Be Thou My Vision. 
And you would recall the words of that hymn. It was actually translated into English by a lady of the name Mary Elizabeth Byrne in 1905. And with the wording of that hymn, she certainly understood the character of this armor. She realized that it was not a literal armor for the Christian to put on in that sense, but rather it was a spiritual armor. And if you think of the third verse in that hymn, and you think carefully of the words, and she's speaking to the Lord, and she's saying, Be thy, be thy my battle shield, sword for the fight. Be thy my armor, be thy my might. And so what we're realizing with Mary Elizabeth Byrne is that the armor is not something that is given to us by Christ. The armor actually is Christ. The armor is Christ. Be thy my battle shield sword for the fight. Be thou my armor, be thou my might. And this is an important lesson for us to learn in relation to the character of this armor. The armor here represents all that Christ is to his people. Every piece of the armor is representing something of what Christ is to his people. And therefore, without Christ, we are unprepared. Without Christ, we are unprotected. Without Christ, we are unarmed. And we become an easy prey to the devil. But my, when, when we put on by faith the Lord Jesus Christ, and we're, we're putting on, as it were, the armor of God, that protection, and each piece of the armor is pointing to uh, something, some aspect of what the Savior is to his people. And the chapter goes down, those pieces of armor. And I'm sure tonight you would be familiar with them. And you can see how each piece of the armor is characterized. Look at verse 14, and it speaks there about that girdle of truth. Stand, therefore, having your loins girt about with truth. And there's the girdle of truth, and the Lord Jesus Christ is the one who has said, I am the truth. The Lord is the truth. Verse 14 speaks also about the breastplate. And it's described as the breastplate of righteousness. And we often sing of the Lord Jehovah, said, can you, the Lord, our righteousness. And so he is the truth to his people. Christ is that righteousness to his people. And you can look further there into the verse 15, and here it relates to the feet. The feet are shod, and they're shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. And there's the peace of the Lord Jesus Christ, who has made peace through the blood of his cross, and therefore his people can experience and enjoy his peace. You see the character of this armor? Look there at verse 16, the shield. It's described as the shield of faith. And that is faith that is resting 
in the Lord Jesus Christ alone. You can see in verse 17, there's the helmet, and it's the helmet of salvation. God is my salvation. The Lord Jesus Christ is my Savior. Thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. You can see as well in verse 17, there's the sword. It's the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. The Lord Jesus Christ is the eternal Word, and He's the everlasting Word. He's the living Word of God. And so what I want you to see here from this portion of Scripture, that when we're to put on the whole armor of God, we're actually putting on the Lord Jesus Christ and all that he is to his people. Points us to Christ, and he, he is the one who equips us for the battle. The equipment for the battle is actually the Savior himself. The Lord is on our side, and the Lord is with us. Put on tonight. Put on the whole armor of God. And so you can see here the clothing of the armor and the character of the armor. But I want you to notice thirdly the completeness of the armor. It says put on the whole armor of God. Not just put on the armor of God, but the whole armor of God. And again, I refer you to a hymn. It's the hymn that we commenced the service with tonight, that hymn of Charles Wesley, uh, where the first verse says, Soldiers of Christ, arise and put your armor on. And the second verse of that hymn, and I'm sure you've noticed the words, It says, stand then in his great might with all his strength endued and take to arm you for the fight the panoply of God. Maybe you've been singing those words and you never really noticed uh, that phrase, the panoply of God. And take to arm you for the fight the panoply of God. That word panoply In the English, well, we know that it would refer to uh, something of scope. Maybe someone has an impressive collection of something that they've gathered up over the years, and if they were to put it all out, they could say, that's the whole panoply, that's the whole thing. It's a whole collection, or it's a whole array, it's a whole range. That's what it means in the English, but... That word comes into the English straight from the Greek. And in fact, in the Greek, as it appears here in this verse of Scripture, it's made up of uh, two words. It's a compound word in the Greek, and it is that word panoply, panoply. And it appears here in Ephesians 6 and verse 11, the whole armor, that's the word panoply. And it appears there in verse 13, Wherefore, take on to you the, the whole armor of God, the panoply of God. There's only one other place in the New Testament where that compound word appears, and it's in Luke chapter 11 and the verse 22, and it's translated there in our English Bible, all the armor, all the armor. 
And so whenever Charles Wesley penned the words of that hymn and he said that uh, you're to take the panoply of God, he was actually saying the whole armor of God. Not just the armor, but the emphasis on the whole armor. In other words, the complete armor, every single piece of armor. The completeness here of the armor. Don't, don't leave off a piece. Paul says, put on the whole armor. Put on every piece. Every piece has its purpose. If you think of the literal armor itself, all used to protect a different part of the body, and therefore the, the, the soldier going into battle uh, would not want to leave any part exposed. That, that would have uh, been a weakness. That would have made him an easy prey for the enemy. He wanted that complete and full protection. And so Paul says for the soldiers of Christ, Put on the whole armor. Put on every piece of that armor. Don't leave any part of your life exposed. Otherwise, you become an easy prey to the devil. And every piece here, as you've read down it together with me, every piece has its purpose. Therefore, before he comes to mention these pieces individually, he's saying to the believer, Put on the whole armor of God. And thank God tonight that armor is complete. Complete in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we've seen here from these few verses the encouragement for the battle be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. And then we have the equipment for the battle. Put on the whole armor of God. We leave the study there for this evening, and God willing, we will return to it again next Wednesday evening in the will of the Lord. Aim of Bible study, and it is encouraging to know that while I'm here in an empty church, but I can look at the camera and know that there are many behind that camera who are listening in this evening. So do pray that the Lord will indeed touch your hearts and that his word will prove to be a blessing and a great help to us in these days. Now, in relation to the reopening of the church here, I have spoken with members of session and committee, and it is our intention uh, to reopen the church in December. And so that would be the first Wednesday of December, Wednesday the 2nd of December, meeting here at our midweek meeting for prayer. And then that following Lord's Day being the 6th of December would be the first Lord's Day that we're back with attendance. And we are thankful to the Lord that those of our congregation who tested positive for COVID-19, uh, they have been improving. And for that, we give thanks to the Lord. And this week, we thankfully have had no uh, new cases that we are aware of. And so we feel that the way would be before us. And we would ask you to pray that the Lord will indeed himself go before and we would be able to open up again by way of attendance uh, at the beginning of December. And that will, of course, be reviewed in the days leading up to those dates. This coming Friday, 
Uh, we have a Zoom meeting with the young people, young people not able to come together here for the Youth Fellowship, but we can make use of the technology uh, that is at our disposal. And so I hope to join with the Youth Fellowship over Zoom on Friday evening, and we're looking forward to that. Do remember the services on the Lord's Day as the broadcasts go out 11.30 a.m. and 7 p.m. I'll be preaching in the morning and then in the evening time in the gospel. It will be a testimony meeting and we've asked our brother, Mr. Norman McCready, that he would come and give that personal word of testimony and to speak of the grace of God in his life. Do remember, please, our congregation in prayer, most particularly those who are sick and laid aside, and even the elderly, those at this time who would be shut in, perhaps shielding or isolating. Do pray that the Lord will be with them. And also for sorrowing hearts. And I have a funeral uh, to conduct tomorrow over in Banbridge, and I would appreciate uh, the prayers of God's people for uh, that funeral and also for the family uh, concerned that you would uphold them at the throne of heavenly grace. Do remember our students of the Whitfield College and also our missionaries, and do pray for our land at this time of crisis. Let us just unite our hearts together in a word of prayer. Our gracious God and our loving Heavenly Father, we do thank Thee tonight for Thy precious Word, and we thank Thee that Thy Word is truth, and we pray that it would have that sanctifying effect upon each one of our hearts and lives. And Thou wouldst give to us, O God, that desire to fulfill our duty and our responsibility as soldiers of the Lord Jesus Christ. And help us, O God, to have that courage and that boldness to stand for Thee in these days. And may we not be, as C.T. Studd referred to, those chocolate soldiers. O Lord, we pray for grace and for help and for the infilling of God the Holy Spirit. Be pleased, our Father, to bless the efforts in the ministry of Thy Word, even from this corner. And grant, O God, for the young people on Friday night, that Thou wouldst be pleased to meet with us. Grant the joyful and the blessed time together, that we might be an encouragement the one to the other. And even our Father, as we think of Thy day, do bless again the ministry of Thy Word. Do be with our brother as he would testify. Use him, O God, uh, to thine honor and glory. And if it please thee to the salvation of precious souls, we think, O God, of the funeral tomorrow. And we pray for the family, O God, concerned that thou wouldst uphold them at this time of sorrow and of loss. And thou wouldst be pleased, our Father, to bring that needeth comfort, and that we would know thy presence and thy help in the conducting of the service. We do pray, our Father, for uh, even our students, our missionaries, and we ask, O God, that thou wouldst bless them and equip them for the battle and meet them, O God, at the very point of their need this night. Undertake, our Father, for uh, not only our missionaries, but uh, we do pray, O God, for our land at this time, 
And Lord, we ask that great wisdom and help would be given to those who are in authority and those, O God, with decisions to make. And we pray that those decisions, O God, would be the right decisions and that thy mind and thy will, O God, would be done. And we ask that thou wouldst rid us, O God, of uh, this virus that has plagued not only our own land, but, Lord, right across the world. And so many, many lives have been lost through it. We do ask, O God, that there would be a turning uh, with contrition unto the Lord and that we might see our Father a turning of the tide of sin and evil. We thank Thee for uh, what appears to be progress, O God, with the vaccines. And we pray that even as that would be rolled out, that there again Thou wouldst give great wisdom and help, and that we might see our Father the preservation of life to the glory and praise of our Lord and Saviour. So, Father, hear our prayer tonight and be pleased to abide with each one and keep us ever looking by faith to our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. And now may grace, mercy, and peace from the triune God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, rest, remain, and abide with each one, both now and ever. We ask it in the Saviour's great name. Amen.